Hello, everyone. Welcome to Groomed LA. The beautiful life awaits. This is Emily Wagner, your host. And oh my goodness, this is such a long overdue podcast. Uh, I recorded, I'm telling you, ages ago. Um, and I've had some issues with production and switching people and this and that. In fact, I don't even know if there's any music on right now because I'm recording this myself. And I'm trying to edit it myself. So please wish me luck. Um, my guest today is Derek Chase, the CEO and founder of Flora and Bast, which is a beautiful cannabis brand of um, tinctures, two tinctures, as a sleep tonic and a skin tonic. And they're both incredible. And to be honest, I fell in love with this product before I even had it because I just fell in love with the stunning packaging and the design, which was designed by Nicholas Haas of the Haas Brothers. Look it up. Um, that being said, when I tried it and I gave it to a friend and one person, her acne cleared up and then I was having the most incredible sleep and da 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 da, I knew I had to podcast with um, Derek Chase. Not only that, I found him really interesting because he has a background in beauty and in sales. So he comes from L'Oreal, the director of sales and education. He was at Johnson & Johnson. Um, he worked with Baxter. He's worked with some incredible high-end beauty brands. And uh, I just could, could not wait to pick his brand, pick his brain, pick his brand, pick his brain, and understand how Flora and Bass came to be. So um, without further ado, I headed on over to the, the, the Flora and Bass offices, and we got on the floor of his R&D studio, um, where he works out all his chemical compounds, and I, it was such an incredible education, and I just fell totally in love with Federic. He's just such a doll. Um, what he's doing is incredible, and I cannot wait to share it with you. So without further ado, and pardon me if we don't have the cool music on this episode, but I'm going to try and figure it out. I bring you, me and Derek, sitting on the floor of the Floor and Basque headquarters, riffing on all things cannabis, on psychedelics, on the beauty business, on big industry, and uh, I can't wait to get to it. Thanks for listening, guys. Bye. On a fucking piece of cardboard. I thought this was going to be a photo shoot at the same time. I think you should spin on your head. Okay, we're recording. So I will have already done the intro. Let me hear your voice. Speak, speak. And Gus, speak into the mic. You can't. You got to like own that right shit. In. This is good. I'm here with Derek. We're in the Flora and Bass Inner Sanctum. This is like the brain. It's like that. The what nucleus. Was it? It's the nucleus. Well, we're, we're right away. Let me just say, you guys, we're talking about psychedelics. Psychedelics is the new, is, is, is a frontier of wellness, by the way, I was like I said, I was listening to Dr. Molly Maloof on this podcast, and they're doing real science testing. I mean, you know, like special, special K ketamine. She had just come back from this thing on a whole symposium, and the thing is the off-label stuff. So while people understand that psychedelics have a lot of, um, what is the word I'm looking for? <laughs> Uses, uses, and 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 applications, and they're really getting into it now. It's the off-label stuff that's trickier. But anyway, so we're talking about psychedelics mm. and how, as as much as sort of cannabis and CBD and hemp and everything is coming up, and people are opening and expanding to alternative medicine. So we're not in this cycle of, you know, sickness and pills. There's other things. Totally. So, totally. Second, so you were saying... So yeah, we were talking uh, before we went on air, we were talking about the fact that cannabis itself is actually considered a psychedelic by a lot. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So as we look at what is a psychedelic, right? right. Like, what would you say 
How would you classify a psychedelic? Like a Grateful Dead poster. <laughs> that is a good. That's a good place to start. I ca- listen. I grew up in the eighties, and I grew up in you know I was t- chomping psychedelics in college. Um, we were doing MDMA. I remember taking MDMA for the first time. This is not a psychedelic, but I just remember taking it alone. It was br- it was very new, and going. I've got to give this to my parents, and coming home saying, "You guys need to take this." Now, of course, they do therape- therapeutic. I actually just went on a date with a guy who said his therapist took him for a weekend an MDMA experience. It was really interesting. But so, yeah. So I started when I was younger and then I obviously became an adult and they say there's no place for that in life. But here we are. Here we are. 2000 and what year is it? 19. And psychedelics are at the forefront of, of medicinal research rather than Absolutely. just That's what I'm talking about. And that's totally in, in where it becomes hairy from a legal perspective is um, the use occasion is very subjective, right? Mm. To say that someone is using psychedelics intentionally versus recreationally. And the diagnostic. Exactly. That was another note. Sorry to interrupt. No. I couldn't remember. She said the diagnosing mm. because you have to have a condition. So it's the – so. Totally. As opposed to needing to expand your life or totally. get to the next level. Wellness or, yeah. you know. So, yeah. So, uh, you know, we consider cannabis to be a psychedelic. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way we describe that is that rather than getting into any sort of medical terminology around mm-hmm. what makes something a psychedelic versus not, mm-hmm. we always speak to psychedelics as something where the experience mm. is dictated by your set and the okay. setting. So your set being your your internal set. Are you angry? Are you upset? Are you happy? Are you depressed? And where are you? Are you in a hospital? Are you in a shaman's sanctuary? Are you in a loud bar? Mm -hmm. Are you at a concert? All of those, both of those, the set and the setting will dictate the experience you have, whether it's positive, negative, or somewhere in between. And so cannabis, as as many people know, cannabis can have a range of effects depending on where you are and how you feel. A lot of people don't like to be in a social situation when experiencing cannabis, mainly because they don't have a good grip on how to control their sort of vibe within or their mood within, uh, while high within an environment that's out of control. Um, Ironically, let's talk about people drinking. I mean, that's the whole, I love that. I mean, drinking is the worst. worst. Okay. So, so go on. So yeah, so we, we, we're talking about set and setting as what would classify something as a psychedelic. And so um, as, as you look at our philanthropic activity, um, our exclusive um, philanthropic partner is MAPS, which is the Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Studies. Ooh. And they consider uh, cannabis to be within their purview. So Explain. So well, explain more about what MAPS is first for people who don't know what that means. Sure. So MAPS um, is a research organization that is looking at the therapeutic potential of psychedelics and medical medical cannabis is, is kind of how they speak to it. Right. Um, depending on what document you look at, they kind of, I don't want to say they flip-flop between things, but they describe it differently as they progress and as they morph these different um, drugs into what is a psychedelic. So mm-hmm. NDMA is one of those drugs that they're doing a lot of research on. Um, but not just go take some NDMA and, and come back and you'll be, and you'll be cured. Mm-hmm. It's the combination of the drug with psychotherapy. Yeah, I, I know. I, and there's another doctor I just uh, met who is a psychotherapist and he, he works with psychedelics. Mm-hmm. 
Um, okay, so maps. Yeah, and that's and and we think that that there can be um, across all psychedelics there can be this combination of an intentional say psychotherapy session with the use so so psycho um, psychotherapy. Um, what is the right word? Um, I'll think of it later, but okay. basically combining the two right. uh, to come out with a therapeutic outcome rather than just, oh, we're going to take some acid and go to a concert. Of course, right. So um, we believe in the therapeutic potential of um, psychedelics, which includes cannabis, um, but the products we make right now are not um, highly inebriating. Um, well, not really inebriating at all. Yeah, um, let's talk about that. Let's talk about um, the psychoactive element because i feel like right now cannabis as we know is 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 becoming very popular in the wellness space la 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 and at the same time people are confused they don't understand cbd thc should we just break it like break it down like totally. a 101 for the for totally. the for the new jack swing yeah because it's funny because one of the biggest surprises when we talk to uh, people that are interested in the brand is that cbd is sourced from cannabis because cannabis is cannabinoid, but cannabis is associated with marijuana, Mm -hmm. which is the THC dominant form of cannabis. But as we look at the plant, Mm -hmm. cannabis is sort of the umbrella term Mm -hmm. for both marijuana and hemp. Marijuana is what yields the THC, which yields um, a psychoactive high, Mm -hmm. versus hemp, which is grown to produce high levels of CBD, which is psychoactive but non-inebriating. Yeah, so if someone was to do hemp oil tinctures, sublinguals, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. will they have a psychoactive experience? Will they get have anything either body or, or mind so depending on the dose and depending on the extract um, and depending on how you take it mm-hmm. you will have different experiences that being said there is there isn't an inebriating effect so you could take a, a large dose of what we consider a macro dose that would be a therapeutic dose and you wouldn't experience something that you'd associate with a mental or change, if, if you had change. the same amount of a THC tincture. Way different. If you took, right. like for our tincture, one milliliter dose is 20 milligrams of CBD. If you took 20 milligrams of THC, oh, yeah. you, would, you would definitely have an experience. Most people would have um, an unpleasant experience if they're new to cannabis. Right. Uh, because that is a, a lot of THC. That's like a whole bag of gummies. So, yeah. Or no, a whole bag of gummies <laughs> is like 100 milligrams. Yeah, I mean, we usually recommend for s- people starting out to start off with about 2.5 milligrams. That's right. kind of the industry average for uh, a, a, um, an initial dose, mm-hmm. uh, for responsible dosing. But, like, you know, you go into MedMen or you go into a, a dispensary that sells edibles, and you're going to find most of... The popular products are those that are, are, are uh, more in the bullseye from a merchandising perspective. They're going to be they're going to be high, right? Be five high and up, five at and least, up. exactly. At least. So, for those new to cannabis, something like a like a two and a half milligram dose of THC will produce a high, but two and a half milligram dose of CBD A will obviously will not get you high, but B. Uh, wouldn't necessarily be enough to be considered a therapeutic dose. So let's talk about what high means, and sure. let's talk about um, the THC in the tinctures, um, the sativa, the different the different strains. Mm-hmm. What goes in? Let's talk about what goes into Florin Bath. Sure, your beautiful sleep tincture that I take every night. It's sure. by my bed. I kind of just drink it. Yeah, we recommend. It's uh, so divine, yeah. and the skin oil. I mean, it's it's truly sure. 
so beautiful. Thank you. Appreciate that. Isn't it? You <laughs> it want to talk is. about what's, let's talk about that. What's sure. in it, how you came to this. Sure. So, so just getting back to yeah. what is the difference between different varieties of cannabis, mm-hmm. the, the major kind of like dividing line is hemp versus marijuana. So, and those are just legal distinctions. Hemp is a legal distinction that speaks to the amount of THC in the plant oh. by dry weight. Does so it look the same? Looks the exact same. I mean, there's like there's right. hemp and cannabis in here, and you couldn't tell the difference from oh, the, the I didn't sight know or that. smell. Okay. Yeah. And okay. so we use um, a variety of cannabis that's considered hemp. Therefore, it has less than 0.3 percent THC by dry weight. Okay. So that means the farmer who grows the cannabis at a certain time, usually they ask for about two, depending state by state, two weeks to a month before harvest to bring it in to get it tested to look at the cannabinoid profile. So they bring mm-hmm. dry matter in, get it tested, and if it's below 0.3%, at or below 0.3% THC, it's considered hemp, hemp, and they can sell it as a, um, a legal agricultural product. And if it could be like in the shelves of... Irwan to right. Whole Foods right. to Sephora. Okay. So that is, um, that's what we use. Anything right. above 0.3 is, again, it's legal. It's not anatomical. It's not, but it's, mm-hmm. it's not, it has nothing to do with um, the genetics of the plant, mm-hmm. but how it's been bred to express its uh, cannabinoid profile, which is a whole other conversation wow. that is complex and, you know, you could go in down terms the of the legalities and, and the science and the, the science more molecular the, the, exactly, structure. Exactly, all the legalities are focused on is one molecule THC. If it's above 0. 0.3, it's marijuana. If it's at or below 0. 0.3, it's it's hemp. So, is it as simple as that? Like, it's not yeah. as complicated in terms of there's so many startups now. There's so many people getting into it. So many brands are, you know, um, launching. It's not as complex as it seems. It's complex in that everybody's trying to differentiate. Mm. In ter- well, I shouldn't say everybody because you see a lot of guys out there just putting slapping CBD on the label and calling it a day. Right. But those who are, call it cannabis first, um, are trying to develop genetics that are going to be either more therapeutic or more X, Y, or Z, right? Right. Depending on the cannabinoid profile and depending on the terpene profile. Right. Can we talk about terpene? Of course. That's responsible for the smell? The aromatics of the plant are... Which people love. Of course. Everybody loves... Well, not everybody. Well, that's the interesting thing. But, yes, it is um, It is something that cannabis lovers love. It's, it's there. Yeah. It's, the, it's, um, it's something that is very... Uh, you, you, there aren't many like smells wine. like... Exactly. It's exactly. like you can't take that away. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so um, the terpenes... What's interesting about the way people talk about cannabis, especially in the beauty world, mm-hmm. um, and referring to terpenes, is that terpenes are actually the building blocks of essential oils. Oh, interesting. And okay. so that's not so a cannabis essential oil mm. is a group of terpenes. And so okay. the reason why the cannabis community has um, latched on to the terminology of terpene is because there are so many different varieties of cannabis and so many different fragrances you know as you think about like indica versus sativa as a um sort of a sign of what the product's going to smell like Mm. um there's just a wide range more more of a variation between essential oils plant by plant in cannabis than any other medicinal herb like lavender like 
lavender is lavender for the most part. Right, right, right. right. You don't have a varying fragrance for lavender, but you right. do for cannabis. So they go down to the um, molecular level and start talking terpenes instead of essential oil because you can't really differentiate right. between, you know, an essential oil is there's only one. There's so within the world of terpenes, there's like a subset of information or names or... So within essential oil, there is a... The, it's, essential oils are made up of... Terpenes. terpenes. Exactly. And so you have varying degrees of different types of terpenes depending on the variety of the plant, which is confusing, A, and B, to make it more confusing, where the industry has termed indica versus sativa, which is a genetic difference. Grown differently. It's It's a totally different... It's a, it, they're, they're both cannabis, but they're different. Right. Um, they're different s- species. There's the cannabis sativa, and then there's the can- cannabis indica, and then there's cannabis ruderalis. Are they grown the same way or grown differently, different climates, different far- – can they be grown together? They require like, – or is it like wine with grapes? Like there's one in the shade, one is gra- shade grown and – So it's more complex than that, unfortunately, because – you know, some people say there's actually no true sativa and no true indica left. There are no Why? land strands because they've been interbred. Hybrid exactly. And, oh, and so we don't even really know what a pure um, indica looks like necessarily. Some people would argue yes, right. but for the most part, um, the genetics aren't necessarily what is giving the plant its aromatics, mm. which is dictating the experience for the most part. So you have your indicas, which most people would assign as giving you a body high, a relaxation. The nighttime, sleepy time. And you can smell those. When you smell a quote-unquote indica, Mm -hmm. you can smell those terpenes, that aroma that's indicative of the experience. Oh, right? that's interesting. It's same thing on the sativa side with uplifting and, you know, some people might call it jittery or, a, you know, right. it's a creative space. Um, but those have terpenes indicative of the of the more uplifting variety. As you would list, smell peppermint and lavender. Exactly. Wow. And so, and that's a big, it's like one of those points where it's like, do you correct the terminology and start to say, well, it's not correct to call something indica if it's not if that's not the genetics, but for the most part, the indica versus sativa story is really a terpene story. And especially as it becomes, I don't know if the word is commercialized, but homogen or just more accessible, democratized, ubiquitous. Um, that's a way that people can organize exactly. it in their brain. Exactly. It's a way it's, it can be sold as a market. I mean, exactly. It's a way it's a, it's, it's helping the consumer get into the right. variety of cannabis that right. they should, depending on what their goal is. Right. So why don't we get a little, since we do talk a lot about beauty and stuff, should we talk a little bit about how you got to here? So without, I I, I know you don't want to bore yourself. Like I (laughs) bore myself if I was to talk about my whole trajectory, but is there a way to kind of give us an insight to your trajectory from L'Oreal, Kiehl's and Baxter? By the way, I noticed my robe at home is Baxter. I was going to take a picture. Yeah. They sent it to me. Like my waffle robe must've been in like some package I got last year. I was like, oh, I didn't even realize that. I never that. got one of those. I know. I I'm still waiting on mine. I got a rope. Baxter, if you're listening. Baxter. Um, okay, so tell us about your backstory. I mean, it's sure. so fascinating because you're like this dude, but you really have like a corporate beauty background. Sure. So I started off actually in the over-the-counter pharmaceutical um, sector out of college and pretty quickly realized that that was, while it was very informative and it was fun at the time, I, I knew it wasn't me. And um, 
Uh, what does that even mean? Like, where were you working? Oh, I was working at Johnson & Johnson. Like, right on. Like, you were at the corporate headquarters? I was actually in, in a field, like... field sales office in Woonsocket, Rhode Island. What the fuck? Calling okay. on CVS. Sell, okay. Selling them digestive health products like Imodium, mm. Um, mm. upper respiratory products like Sudafed, Tylenol, Zyrtec, you name it. You know, uh, J&J has just a, a basket of, right. of brands. And so I was lucky enough for them to, to own Neutrogena. So that was out here in L.A. And I was like, that's exactly what I want to do. Came out to Neutrogena, did that for a year, and, and, and pretty quickly realized that while, you know, they, they had some fun brands, they were nothing like, you know, real beauty. They were more focused on... Uh, Drugstore. Yeah. Sort of. Exactly. And, right. and, and so I actually switched over, still within mass market, over to uh, L'Oreal across brands like Maybelline, Garnier, Essie. Um, but what interests you about that? Like, what, 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 where'd you get to that? Because I love that you were like, and that's really where I wanted to be. Like, but I'm thinking, how? Why? Yeah. I think it came from the fact that at the time I was working in very sleepy categories where it was very hard to get consumers to change, right? Mm. You, you, Imodium, you can't get anyone to buy more or less right. Imodium. Did you get it when you need it and exactly. then you're done. Right. But when it came to beauty and skincare, you could Growth. switch consumers and it was very focused on the creative aspects of marketing. So you but I'm saying you came from mark it, it the the excitement was you were in sales and marketing. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like I grew up with a mother who was a supermodel, <laughs> and I used to watch her braid her well, hair. Well, I did have I did have problematic skin as a kid, mm -hmm. and not enough to say like, "Oh, I had acne," right? But so bad that I was I was using different. I was taking antibiotics. Mm -hmm. I was freaking out. I was a hockey player, so like you'd get the sweating your brains exactly, out. Exactly, you'd get the you'd helmet. Get, exactly, the pimples where the helmet was, and I was just totally, you know, I was. It, it totally was. It was a big anxiety. It's so in intense life. for yeah. teens. Oh my god! And so that was the attractive part from like my own experience was. Oh, okay. Like this is interesting. I struggled mm -hmm. with blemishes and breakouts as a kid, and Neutrogena was the number one player in acne. Wow. So that you know that was something. But it was actually more the California vibe that that called me out to Neutrogena right. at first, and then I I realized like oh I now okay now I get it like this right. is this is interesting. So went over to to L'Oreal and then made my way onto Baxter, which was my first. Really entrepreneurial um, experience. You know, Tell us I, a little bit about Baxter. So Baxter was sold to L'Oreal, and, and oh, JP is going to kill me if he hears this and I got the wrong date, but I believe it was 2011. Okay. And I came um, I came onto the team a little less than a year after And what was your title? So I was the, um, what was I at first? First I was the manager of business development. That's a cool title. <laughs> yeah. And then cool. director of uh, education and sales and so I like progressed through the company pretty rapidly because there wasn't anyone there small company yeah, yeah there was no one there um, and we went through three GMs in three years and it was just a, it was crazy because it was a small like very different you know it's a men's brand so Baxter is men's products yep. shaving grooming everything Anything, hair, hair, deodorant, and anything. it and it has like a real sort of nostalgic vibe, mm -hmm. very old school. Now it's modern and clean and yeah, clean life. 19... They have a store in La Cienega. Yep, a barbershop on barbershop. La Cienega. Yeah, they had. Um, it was actually um, the company was founded in 1965 by a wow. guy named Baxter Finley, who is oh, the yeah. mainstay of the barbershop. Oh yeah, and uh, and so in two early 2000s, J.P. Mastay, who was the owner prior to selling it to Baxter. Uh -huh. 
uh, took it over and totally revamped everything from the distribution to the packaging and the funnel. Wow. And so he did an unbelievable job with it. So my job is, you know, basically a sales and educator was so easy. So what does it mean, educator? You educating, so getting yeah, the so, product. So L'Oreal actually purchased it to take it from a men's lifestyle mm-hmm. brand to a salon brand, mm. and so that was that was why I was hired to take it into a new channel. Um, but is I that didn't why have it's any... in Rudy's? Is it in Rudy's? Yep, right. it's in Rudy's. It's in, it's. I mean, it's kind of everywhere now. Nordstrom. So cool. Um, Urban Outfitters. There's not a lot of like really sexy male brands no. that are masculine and do the work and the product is good and yeah, it's, the it's branding hard. is right on. Yeah, it's hard to get men to buy, you know, the, the trick of the men's business, which Jack Black has figured out to do pretty well, yeah, is totally how do you has. sell to women? How do you sell a men's product to a woman? Oh, do they right? mean to, to, to expand? Yeah, I mean, like, because most men aren't in the market for a luxury skincare product. It's just not high on their list. See, for the most part, the masses. There's obviously the cream that are going after. Um, so you mean, but do you mean sell it to a woman to give to a man? Exactly. Oh, exactly. I was like, so we got to get the women interested. Exactly. To buy it for their man. Exactly. And that was the whole, that was the mm. sort of like, before the Baxter acquisition, that was how every L'Oreal brand with a men's offering was operating. But since this was such a oh, different so brand that spoke to men, like one of the biggest things that that I talked to was we don't put the brand, when I was a Baxter, was, we don't put the brand name on top. We put it on bottom because we want the name of the product to be first. So the guy walks up and he can see what he's buying. Right. You know, he doesn't want to be like, Hit with Baxter, like what is Baxter? Then he's off, like he's, he's not done. even, th- yeah, he's not even thinking the about what span. exactly. So beautiful packaging, very well designed, both the inners and outers, right? And um, so when we took it to the salon world, it was a learning experience, but also like you know, it was like shooting fish in a barrel because there's mm. no competition. You got like a, you got crew, right? You've got Jack Black, and you got like you know the rest, yeah. And there's no real competition, so. Um, we Did it were, take off? So yeah, but it's took off as in like within salon, which is a very people intensive job. So we had to mm. go. It was door to door. We're literally door-to-door. like showing up. These are our products. Because there's very few successful, except for the Regis's of the world, right? right? There's like half the market that's like Regis and then there's everybody else. And the mm. independents are the, the um, what we were going after. We were going mm. the high end independents. And that took going and visiting and you know it was just very it was very people intensive time intensive for me and then you know luckily at l'oreal we had we owned salon centric what's that salon centric is like cosmoprofits the distributor salon distributor okay so they so l'oreal sells it to a distributor who then sells it directly to those salons exactly because the the salons are still dominated by independents right so that was very entrepreneurial and it like actually re- that was the first place I really learned to sell right because you're selling every day eight times a day and you're working with really sophisticated when it comes to product knowledge very sophisticated right. clients well what which is so perfect for you to be in this business you have oh. the sales background and really like a scientific background um, sense of product Totally. You have to have that. Totally. Yeah, you have to understand what the product's doing and why, which was really tough at first because I was like, well, why are these ingredients in here? Why are that? And it's like, it's, it's, not, it's not as simple as here's the, here's, the, here's the active ingredient. Right. right? It's way more than that. So wow. to, to some extent, I learned a lot about 
what you do need to do and what you don't need to do. Like emulsifiers and this, how this reacts with this mm-hmm. and how this lasts. And yeah, and, and learning about like why are things in products. Mm-hmm. And, and unfortunately, a lot of the reason is aesthetics, is, is the short-term benefit of either how the product feels in your skin or your right. hair um, or how your skin feels immediately after application. That's so true. I get, you know, like so many products sent to me and I, there's this beautiful line of, you know, beautiful CBD creams and lotions and I can't get them out of the, that's the one I was going to show you. Cause I'm like, this is so beautiful, but here's an example. I can't get it out of the thing, the mm-hmm. thing, mm-hmm. cause it doesn't have that, whatever that thing is that lets it come out smoothly to open it this and then I was just like, I ended up giving it away. Like mm-hmm. I was really upset cause it smelled yeah. so good and I'm sure it's a great, I could never get it out. Yep. So it's those kind of things yeah. that make the product easier, yeah. more usable. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you came there and then bring us up to, a little bit more up to date with Flora and Bast. And yeah, well, after that, I made one quick stop at Kiehl's. So then my last stop <laughs> at Quick Mario, little stop at Kiehl's. Your resume which... is incredible. <laughs> I wish it was mine. Well, I, I was lucky enough to get on like, like very um, just brands with a lot of equity. How do you get those jobs? Just side note. Do you have to like go in and interview and interview? Yeah. yeah. Tell them why you want it. And usually if you tell them why you want it, in, in a large corporate environment, most people are kind of just language. You, you, you know, just went not. in and you're like, this is why I'm right for the job? Yeah. I was interested and that came through. And that's, I mean, most of, most of what uh, my success in life has just been because I'm interested. I'm truly interested in right. something like that's I have the confidence that I'll be successful. Or at least like I'm not even thinking about success because I want to do it. Right. That's so amazing. When it came to this, you know, this CBD came into my life kind of late, but I'd been a cannabis consumer since. I'm going to sound like a degenerate, but uh, seventh grade. What, not seventh. not a, not an active, but the first yeah. time I tried cannabis was in seventh grade, um, and that's about when they start. Yeah, and that's when you not start. You like, Aria, <laughs> not you, my daughter. <laughs> Fuck, don't listen to me. <laughs> So, yeah, so I've been a cannabis consumer my whole life. It's been, um, you know, late in life, a great alcohol replacement for me. Yeah. And so it's definitely changed in terms of how I use it. I use it much more intentionally. Mm -hmm. Um, I use it prior to... Uh, physical activities like do yoga. You? Do you? What about yeah. working out and getting like? I take a hit class. Mm-hmm. I, I need to be up. Totally. When I run, like it's it's ve- highly therapeutic. It's it's much like That's that psychedelic about. assisted psychotherapy. Yeah. Cannabis assisted exercise is for me is my is like. But it's a certain strain. It's a no. Just from, whatever works. Yeah, for you. I mean whatever. It's like once you've landed on what you like, like you kind of just. You kind of just get it. Yeah. You know, that's the tough part about cannabis is everyone wants to be able to label it like, oh, take it for this or take it for that. But it's, it's different for everybody. So Somebody nuanced. that Exactly. So trial and error is the only real way. Right. Luckily, you know, cannabis isn't like acid or um, uh, psilocybin or mm. DMT where it's a much more um, um, immersive mm-hmm. experience. And if you go in... Uh, uh, with the wrong set and setting, you can have a very traumatic experience. Right. But with cannabis, it's relatively mild. Um, you can do things like actually consume CBD. If you've mm-hmm. consumed too much THC, you can sort of rewind the effects of THC. What about peppercorns? Did you heard sure, about that? Sure, no. I heard about that. <laughs> You'll have to tell me after. Yeah. Or if you want to tell me now. 
No, it's a secret <laughs> proprietary ingredient <laughs> I'm working on in my lab. I'm just kidding. I don't have a lab. I wish I did. Um, okay. So absolutely. So long time lifestyle. Long time consumer yes. went from more of a recreational user to a therapeutic user. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, at the time I decided to create the brand, I was working for a nonprofit called the Charlie Foundation, which was dedicated is dedicated to the ketogenic diet for the for treatment cancer. of epilepsy and other, other metabolic illnesses like cancer. And so, what were you doing for them? So I was running their marketing. So they, uh, up until you know, I started helping them. They didn't really have a marketing department. Mm-hmm. It's run by a guy named Jim Abrams, mm-hmm. who um, was a famous, is a famous Hollywood writer, director, JJ? producer. Not JJ. So, I'm like I know so JJ. Jim, I know Jim, but Jim actually okay, is probably Jim. more famous in his own right. He wrote and and directed. Uh, movies like Airplane. Oh my God! Naked Gun. Wait, those are the Hot greatest shots. movies. I'm watching yeah, all of them yeah. with my kids right now. Yeah. So I was connected ah. to him through my college advisor, who was I was a neuroscience minor in college, and so my co- college advisor, when I moved back out to LA after Kiel's, put me. He's like, Hey, you gotta you gotta meet Jim because I was really really hot on ketogenic diet, which I still follow ketogenic lifestyle. Like like hardcore. Well, n- not a hardcore like four to one ratio, right. fat to right, other, right, 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 right. But hardcore in terms of like, yeah, I do intermittent fasting, I do long term fasting, I eat a high fat diet. We have to hear about limit. that too. Yeah, well, it's one of the things like we actually sell MCT oil. I love it. I've been putting it in my coffee every yeah. day. Oh yeah, that's right. You got. Yeah, I love it. Oh my god. Well, we're gonna have to go back. To, can you Sorry. we footnote that because I want to sure. know all about that. Sure. So at the time when I was working for them, um, Epidiolex, which is mm. a CBD isolate produced by GW Pharmaceutical, that was uh, at the time it had just been approved for the treatment of epilepsy, two difficult to control forms of epilepsy by the FDA. And I was like, oh shit, like it, like it just caused me to A, be like, okay, CBD's here, but also B, like, CBD and keto are so similar, right? In mm-hmm. terms of their uses in the therapeutic community, like what is going on? And so I started to do my research, found out that one of my buddies back east had gone, gone from growing, he was a farmer, growing organic produce to growing hemp because mm. great ca- the economics behind hemp are way better than anything else. And so I went out to see him and I was like, I went to his farm. It's a small regenerative uh, they use regenerative farming practices, which means they have you know animals and mm. and plants on the farm, and it's like so a self-sustaining cool. system. And I was like, "Wow, this is beautiful." And the thought in my mind was like, "Hey, we could be the Tata Harper of hemp." Mm. And so since then, we've just you know we started to put pen to paper and started to design and formulate and just kind of moved it forward prior to there being any true uh, federal legalization of the plant but we we knew that we were bullish about like the the prospects of it being um, something that would be available f- uh, over the counter in not too short of a time so you really got in before it was even yeah before it was widely available right so wow. this was this was you had the vision well, we, I wouldn't even say we had the vision. We, I, had, I was lucky enough that circumstances in my life all led to it, right? I was a cannabis consumer. I was working on something where CBD was relevant, i.e. the keto segment for epilepsy. And I had a buddy who had a pharma. If those it three things hadn't been collided. there, exactly. Like those aren't, those are beyond my control, right? Jesus. So I just had to, I happened to be in the right place at the right time and interest drove me to create the brand. So. Okay, yeah. I, I was like so much. We're gonna have to like do like a three part. So, 
let's go to your diet and ketogenic lifestyle yeah. and your fasting. Yeah. Talk to me about that. What's your and how you've been doing it for how long and like what are your sort of parameters and stuff? So I first started eating a ketogenic diet and this was literally just eating a ketogenic diet. So when I started, that's all I did was I ate keto. Which you'll, I think, probably start to understand what that means yeah, we, when we, I when I progress. But right. that was um, right before I started working for Kiehl's. So that was two thousand, like end of two thousand fifteen. Wow. That's a long time ago. Were yeah. you like measuring glucose and resting <laughs> yeah. blood sugar? <laughs> yeah, but at the time I was eating like bacon and stuff too. Like I back know. then it was like, yeah, I just eat you bacon, know what avocados, yeah, eggs, just, yeah, yeah. Butter. So just like eat exactly. It was just like. Eat all these like these are the things uh, macadamia nuts like these are the th- these are the only things you can eat right. and I was like all right that's cool because I haven't had bacon in like four years because yeah. I was like oh no like low yeah. fat diets are the best of you know course. I was trying to, I was an athlete and that was the whole thing it's like protein 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 no fat and so changing over the diet was really fun but I still had like what I noticed when I changed over to the diet was I had you know, other dysfunctions in my diet, including stress eating. So it was really hard to change over to a ketogenic diet because, you know, a lot of stuff was coming up. Like you remove those carbs from your life, which you're addicted to and stuff starts to come up. Imagine fasting. Yeah. And so then after probably six months of doing the ketogenic diet and I was like pretty like, I was like, I felt good, but I also was like, this is, this is, this is like, there's a lot of stuff. It's just like, I I didn't really understand it. I started experimenting with, um, intermittent fasting. So only eating within a certain window of time, which was like, oh, okay, I get it now. If I can combine, yeah, if I can combine a ketogenic diet with intermittent fasting, my hunger pangs went away. The stress eating went you away. Start, you stop craving Starts, food as yeah, much. Yeah, you, well, you start to you start to sort of detox from this constant hormonal uh, upshot, mm-hmm. right? Every time you eat, and I was eating like five times a day, mm-hmm. you're getting that you're you're changing your biology. Absolutely. And so that's not necessarily the way that we're designed. No, and it's not. We, we shouldn't be doing that. We there were there was, remember the whole fad of like five little meals a day. Sorry. We're not supposed to be doing. We're, Unless we're you're more. like a professional athlete and you and you're trying to yes, you're like short term trying to artificially enhance your physique yeah. and your strength and your performance. And yes, but it's not sustainable. You should follow Metabolic Mike. I know that. Podcast. You know Metabolic. Meta- yeah. he's supposed to come on. He's supposed to come on the podcast. Is yeah, he? he is hardcore. I mean, he is. They're hardcore. Yeah. He just I just read about how he ate a seventeen ounce raw steak. Oh really? Before a run. I mean he's before a run, huh? But he talks about psychedelics and keto, he's the whole thing. But anyway. But yeah, but intermittent fasting helped me to achieve what we're calling a ketogenic lifestyle, which is you get into ketosis every day, mm-hmm. but you're not constantly in, t- in ketosis. Because if you're constantly in ketosis, you're on the same, you're, you're uh, the different side of the coin, but the same problem, which is you're using only one type of machinery, right. which is your fat burning machinery. Right. If you're on a high carb diet and you eat constantly, you're only on a sugar powered right. system. So where the true like therapeutic zone is is being metabolically flexible to be able to turn from keto to sugar powered at differing times during the day because that's when at least for my you know you could say whatever the data says which there isn't much data but from a productivity and well-being perspective that's where i feel the best 
So I usually don't eat till, and it fluctuates too. Like mm-hmm. diversity, and we'll talk about this with the product too. Diversity is important because if you're delivered the same exact thing day in and day yeah. out, that's not natural. Absolutely. The nature didn't design us to be taking the exact same thing at the exact same time, mm-hmm. devoid of all the other things that mm-hmm. came with the plant, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, so I switch it up. I try to, I try to, um, you know. Fast for long periods. Shock and then the body some, a little bit. Exactly. Support. It's just like working exactly. out. You got to do different things, exactly. right? What is the longest fast you've done, or do you incorporate any like thirty-six hour fasts into your life? So I've so I used to do a lot of fasting uh, when I was single. What does that mean? Like so, I would do you know between four and eight day fasts. Water, just fasts. water. Yeah. Okay, so you don't need Prolon. Do you know about Prolon? What I, is it? It's called Prolon. I had them on the podcast. It's no. a five day fasting mimicking diet. It's oh. Walter Longo. He created. Oh yeah. It. I know. Um, it's like fasting with food. So it's just okay. amount enough that your body thinks it's doing mm-hmm. a water fast. Yeah. Um, it's very interesting. It's yeah. But I did one 11 day fast. Water. Water fast. When you were single. When I was single. It was actually when I was, tr- it was new, it was the, it was the end of G- uh, December of 2016 okay. when I was leaving L'Oreal. Mm. I was in Sedona. I went and like, spent time with a shaman and I was like, hey, I'm going to fast as, as well as do all this other work and journey oh, and stuff. wow. And so that was, it was cha- challenging. You know, it's very challenging physically and mentally. Um, but it's, I think, you know, something that most people should at least experiment with because I hadn't skipped a meal <sighs> ever. Like I'd never gone without, yeah. that I could remember Did you go right from zero to 60? You went from eating to that or was this, and then you became the sort of. No. So I went from, I'd started doing the. You eased into it. Yeah. I started with a two day went, uh, and this was like called mid year 2016. I did a two-day, then a three-day, then a four-day, wow. then a five-day. And this is all like with like a week in between because you're supposed to let your body recover. Oh and yeah, just worked, worked it up. Um, and you know, it, it's all, it's hard to say like what were the results? Like obviously I lost a lot of weight, but like I wasn't really, I wasn't trying to right. lose weight. It wasn't really about weight management, though the effects on weight management are crazy. Like they are, if, if you keep it up, well, you the know, thing and is, change is if your you're able body to, percentage. If you're able to become what I what I'm terming metabolically flexible, mm-hmm. which is your your body is basically getting back to its natural state of switching between fat burning and sugar Jesus. burning, your body naturally will will get to a good weight. Your your natural body weight. Um, wow. Again, there's other things that can impact that, especially stress eating, because a lot of the times we eat. It's for the wrong reason. Of course. It's contextual or we're dehydrated or mm-hmm. there's any manner of reason when you have food just readily available right in front of your face, your body naturally wants it. Of course. It's so, such a drug. Yeah. So so keeping away from it, it I mean, like you're not going to necessarily, like if you're metabolically flexible, you're not going to necessarily be able to avoid the pitfalls of modern life, but it surely helps. So what happened? Let's go back to diversity and how it feeds into your product and what that means and talk about the product sure. a little bit more. Sure. So and what you've got going and, and this whole thing, this whole lab this whole setting, lab this R and D layer. Um, but yeah, when it comes to our product, how the sort of diversity conversation fits in is we utilize, uh, we actually create from, from, from dry material, uh, full spectrum extracts. So rather than focusing just on CBD, we start with what are the therapeutic components of the plant? Mm. And we know there's a ton of data on uh, cannabinoids and terpenes 
and then there's limited data on, say, flavonoids and carotenoids and the other parts of the plant. Mm. But we basically process the plant only to the point where it's shelf-stable. So we've removed water, chlorophyll, and other things that will um, not allow it to sit on shelf for very long because it is right. we are in a lot of different environments. We're in Sephora. We're in Barney's. We're, you know, we're on. What is the shelf life or... So the the shelf life figure that out. Yeah, because it's it's like you know it it's an oil. It's oil only. Mm-hmm. So oil only means that there's no water that's oxidizing or creating what's called water activity, mm-hmm. which is um, the ability. The higher the wa- water activity, the higher um, the ability for microorganisms, bacteria, Ooh. mold Creepy. to grow in it. So yeah, so our shelf life. I mean, we say it's two years, but it, it could last longer than that. For sure. And I think people are getting going through it quicker. Like, yeah, we don't, we don't, you don't we don't have the problem of consumption year. because people right. are, are very, um, they're very compliant when mm-hmm. it comes to cannabis because cannabis has, uh, it's it's a very powerful plant not mm-hmm. only in terms of its re, or like actual medicinal benefits mm-hmm. but also what the, what a person expects from mm-hmm. it, right? So um, they believe that the plant will work, which is all part of um, a, a, a proper uh, therapeutic. Modality is that right. you believe. If you don't believe, it's probably not going to work either because you don't comply, you don't do it all the time, uh, and just the body's ability to heal itself um, with the notion that it knows it needs to heal itself. Do you feel that the CBD alone will have the same therapeutic effects as a product that has the THC in it? Do you need the THC to activate it somewhat? So the whole activation conversation is one I'd rather not go down because it anatomically is kind of a strange idea that it's activating. It's not even how it works. It doesn't even have yeah, work Yeah, it's like just that. not, it's not because when we think about how it interacts with like within your physiology, um, cannabinoids and, and terpenes, uh, well, cannabinoids specifically, specifically um, interact with your endocannabinoid system, mm-hmm. um, which is, a distributed system of it's like a lock and key mm. you have receptors and then you have um, uh, these molecules that right. we're calling cannabinoids you can have endogenous ca- cannabinoids called endocannabinoids or exogenous mm-hmm. um, which would it's be just a like phytocannabinoid how they talk about like exactly, exogenous exactly so you can have those that are not necessarily artificially produced but not produced by the body right. and those that are produced by the body and so, and so, yeah, and so the reason why and what made it so complicated was that endocannabinoids, so your endogenous cannabinoids, mm-hmm. were named after um, the uh, discovery of cannabinoids, which were discovered by research into the cannabis plant. So that's why they, got, they have their right. cannabinoid. It's, I know it's confusing. But basically, cannabinoids interact with the receptor sites within your endocannabinoid system to modulate everything from your pain sensitivity to your appetite to your inflammatory response. Right. Um, so there's many different benefits, but or many different... Does it work with serotonin or dopamine at all? Yes, but that's another area where, like, there's so little you known make, about... The, yeah, because there's no, it. like, directional. You can't say it, it, it if you do X, Y right. happens. So it's, it's, it's a much more complex reaction than most people... A would think and B would be be willing to understand. So you stay away from that conversation. You stay away from it for two reasons. One, we don't know enough. And two, the medical um, uh, speaking 
about cannabis through the medical lens is the really the only way you can get in trouble right now. Right. You know, we see CBD brands, very few of them, but CBD brands getting shut down. Yeesh, and why? the only reason they're making is because claims? they're making medical claims. Exactly. What is the FDA? So let's say you make a product. Yep. And as you know, I'm so excited about that too. Yeah. Um, you have to get like a certain FDA clearance. How does that go down? No. So the FDA still has not updated their stance that CBD. So you don't have and, to deal with it. Well, they've not updated their stance that they consider CBD to be a drug because according- Is that a good thing? It's good in that there, we're still in, it's good for in small independents like me because it's keeping the big boys out of the market for the time being. Uh, I, th- I would say it's good for cannabis as well because the big boys are simply looking at CBD from a molecular perspective rather than a plant perspective. So and the meaning plant like the is pharmaceutical where, companies exactly. who are going to pharmaceutical take over. Yeah, well, the pharmaceutical companies want they can only really use um, CBD or a single cannabinoid in the way that they operate. Like they couldn't go after a full spectrum. They couldn't market a full spectrum extract because they're going after what's called an adulterated substance, so something that's chiseled down just to like one component. Mm. So they could sell, and they do sell, CBD isolate, which is just CBD. Who's they? So GW, which is a British firm that pulls in about four bill annually in profit. So that's what we're... What is that product? What is it? So it's for epileptics. Right. And the problem with that product is that it's giving... I don't want to say too much. Okay. Whatever. But reports are that CBD isolate, when when taken orally, will cause stomach uh, uh, Mm. discomfort. So... Which makes sense when you're... Same with that, to get stomach discomfort from aspirin. I mean... Well, it's like if you ate right. a cayenne pepper right. versus took just the active component that made it spicy and yeah. took the same amount of that, like you'd have a different effect. Right. That's probably a weird analogy. No, I get it. The, if you if you take it out of its natural state, right. you don't know what's going to happen. Right. So we believe, and anecdotal information points to full-spectrum extracts being more effective. Mm. There are small-scale studies that show that efficacy as well. Mm. Um, and we know that like, once you remove the terpenes, which help with bioavailability and have especially skin care benefits on their own right, mm-hmm. you're left with something that's highly neutered and we don't think is efficacious. Let's talk about, and then I also want to talk about your arm, your ring, and like the sleep <laughs> study. Let's talk yes, a little sleep. bit about... Um, about the sort of purity of the product, the beauty, the, the skin, the, mm-hmm. the skin oil, and like how you're in Sephora now, what's happening, where you're branching out to, and where, first of all, where people can get it, but we'll, I'll add that in the notes, but like, why, why this one? Mm-hmm. You know, why? Like, t- t- like your, your sort of mi- mission statement. So our mission statement, that's a know, tough I just made one. It I up. Well, the thing is... Well, you're is always it... talking about it, and you don't even realize you're talking <laughs> about the mission statement. Well, right now, so we launched with a facial serum and a sleep tincture. That was like our duo because from my perspective, those were the two issues that I have always struggled with, our sleep and skin. And was that your plan? You're like, we're just going to start with two and get more? Or, or what was your, like, when you started your thing, were you just like, let's create something? Yeah, I, I knew that. Start here and we'll see what happens. Yeah, I knew that from a skincare perspective, I was only willing to really use one product Mm. and I was never really willing to use anything that um, I was selling because I knew it was in the product. (laughs) And so, so I was like, Hey, what if I had my druthers, what would I, what would I develop? And the first was a water-free serum because I was like, I don't have to put preservatives in there, surfactants, emulsifiers. If I stay away from water, I can, I can develop a product that I'd use. So that was the first product. 
And then the sleep tincture was just because there is a robust amount of data around the, the use of cannabis for sleep. And I had used it for sleep in the past, and like everybody in my life at some point had used cannabis for sleep. And so I have been a long-time sleep-deprived individual, Mm -hmm. Um, mostly because I was put on Adderall and Ritalin as a kid and like you do you think know. it just fucked with your circadian rhythms like yeah, permanently totally totally I mean and even now when I return to like say a Benadryl or a, right. uh, a Sudafed D right. or something it's right. it's still like you know mm. I'm highly productive until you know like two o'clock in the morning that's Oof, just the way it affects me too much so yeah so it, it just has differing effects but I'd always been I'd always struggled with sleep and so that's how we got into right. You're like, let's start with this. Yeah. And I knew that if I did, again, if I didn't put water in it, I didn't have to put all the other junk that Mm. is required to keep it stable. I, I, it doesn't separate, Mm. uh, and to keep it, uh, bacteria, mold, microtox, micro, uh, free. So that was how we arrived a very simple formula. We procured though. We were lucky enough to procure like what I would consider still to be the best, um, oil out there because it's grown organically, actually mm. biodynamically. I don't know if your listeners would know what biodynamics oh, they is. Oh, Yeah, they okay. Know. Just how fine wine is grown. Right. So um, we use the best farming practices. We extract with a two-part two process, which um, it's most oil companies out there are strictly um, extracting for total cannabinoid yield rather than terpenes and cannabinoids so most products out there that that talk terpenes are generally botanical derived terpenes Mm -hmm. i.e other essential oils rather than cannabis derived terpenes so cannabis derived terpenes if you were to go to a big large-scale manufacturer either they wouldn't have it or -hmm. they charge you between 100 and 200 dollars a gram which a gram in in terms of volume is about a milliliter which is you know three percent of one of these bottles so it's very small exactly so they're very expensive but if you own the supply chain Mm -hmm. you you can control how you're extracting that dry matter and therefore promote those those molecules Mm -hmm. that you're looking for which is every molecule for us Mm -hmm. so we do a two-part process where we we strip the terpenes first and then uh do a run for cannabinoids um and it's full spec so we don't we don't chisel it down just to CBD. We leave all the other residual cannabinoids like CBC right. and CBN in there. And the combination, especially as it, as it pertains to sleep, has been overwhelmingly... And you're um, doing a study with Aura Ring? Yeah, so we've just started... You your ring? Yeah, so, so Aura Ring, who's been a, a great partner in thought around mm. sleep health. And as well, I've been, I've been wearing this ring now for... Um, Almost a year and a year and change. I can't and it remember. Uploads your data. So yes, yeah, so you wear app. it. Where it looks just like any other it's ring cool. for those listeners out there. It looks pretty stylish. It's cool on a guy. Yeah, yeah. totally pull it off. It looks sexy on a girl too. Yeah, I know. I need. I know. No, I need one. I'm. I'm. I'm trying to get one from those guys. Maybe. Maybe. Ring. Hey, rings. Aura. We would be listening to this. Mm. But yeah, so we've started discussions with Aura Ring around a sleep study to show the efficacy of our current sleep tincture and then other sleep products we're developing because the, you know, when we looked into the current state of sleep testing, it required going into a lab Mm -hmm. and all already you're out of your normal Mm settings. So of course your sleep's going to be different. How are you going to do this? And and then like a white room. 
Yeah, and like you're not going to stay there for a month. Like no. you need lo- you need longitudinal studies in order to monitor how your sleep really. Not just like oh, come in once a month and we'll right. You know, because your sleep varies every night. I mean, there's mm-hmm. nothing more variable in my life than my sleep. So totally with you on that. So and activity and other diet related stuff in context of how you eat, when you eat. Yeah, fasting your sleep. can really affect it. Like totally. you start to not sleep for a while because exactly. you're amped. Your body exactly. is on fire. Exactly. So it's so yeah, so we want you know, as we look into who's really making waves, it's the consumer side of healthcare. It's not it's not old world healthcare. Mm. And so some of these devices are like the aura ring will take it'll look at your, your REM sleep, it'll mm-hmm. look at your deep sleep, it'll look at when you wake up, it'll look at so cool. all sorts of measures to, to give you a clear insight into how you're sleeping. And so it'll crunch all this data, heart rate variability, all sorts of stuff. And so if you're a nerd, you can look into that. If you're just, but if right. you just want to know how you're sleeping, it will crunch that data into two very actionable items, which are your sleep score and your readiness score. So your sleep score is like, what was your sleep hygiene? How did you do? And your readiness score should be in line with that, but it may not be because you may be sick. And therefore, right. your readiness score is telling you you should take a rest even if you got a good night's sleep right and you did all the things right that may not be that may not say that you're ready for to take on the day in the most aggressive oh manner God, possible it's so, intense. so it's very informative um it it helps me to gauge like am i working too much because mm. you know one of the hard parts about starting a business is like you could be working 24 7 right. if your body let you so it helps me to design my lifestyle and keep checks and balances in place to so cool. to make sure I'm not like overdoing it. And a lot of times, that like uh, that data will inform a rest period. We'll so, tell you. We'll be like, you're due for a rest, or you need to yeah, this, it'll, or it'll, try it'll, to go to sleep at a nine tonight, or 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 don't or don't get out of bed till seven. Like, will it tell you that? It'll the, give the, you the data. Pre- it'll give you pretty yes, and you can and you can yes. I I, use, I like know the numbers well enough now that I'm right. like when I'm in 80, I know like okay things are good. If I'm below 80, like that's when I need to start like thinking about how do I get to bed earlier. Mm. And that's a whole a whole part of of sleep so. hygiene is the intention to sleep again, which is why which is informing our innovation strategy of how do we gear a life style towards sleep. Mm, right, it's the most important thing. Totally, is it okay to take the tincture every single night? It's not like something where you want to reset circadian rhythm and then you're done. Because I've been taking it very therapeutically mm-hmm. every night. Yeah, it's non-habit forming. No, I don't even. Of course, like that. <laughs> I'm saying, but like it's it's oils the system in a sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to give your body the the components it needs to ensure that you're in your most natural state. Right. It's not going to, it's not like a band aid. It's not going to like, it's not going to, you don't take it and then all of a sudden you're like, yeah, you don't knock, it's not right? like a, yeah. It's not sedating in the general sense of like, take it at any time, it'll sedate you. But if you take it after sunset, generally you're going to have the onset of sleep. Right. And that's because an important you're... thing that people need to know. This is not like something you take it and I'm going to knock, knock you. But some people do because they're really? so tired. And right. when when you're able to sort of like give your body the permission to fall asleep, mm-hmm. it does. What I also like about it is that it's a sleep tincture. And that when you're talking about sleep hygiene and lifestyle and I take it, I'm just like, okay, now I'm going to start winding down. It just sets you. Totally. The same way, you know, you used to have a cup of tea or exactly. whatever, whatever that nighttime routine it just becomes part of your routine. Exactly. 
And so we actually, um, one of the, where we've had a lot of success where people are, it's hard to, if you're not one-on-one with a person, it's hard to like describe on packaging of like, Mm -hmm. take it at sunset. But since, um, your body, a major shift in your circadian rhythms is at sunset. Mm -hmm. Because when the sun goes down, you're naturally inclined to go to sleep because that's how we're designed, right? And we're designed to wake at sunset, at sunrise. And so we've started recommending that people take it at sunset in order, it's it's part because it's giving you the sort of like, giving your body what it requires to, to naturally... Uh, transition towards a sleep mode. Oh, that's but it's good. Also, if you start thinking about sleep earlier, mm-hmm. you you're naturally going to, even if you don't take like anything. That. That's good. We did a podcast with um, this guy Matt Maruka of the Light Diet. Mm. His whole thing is like candlelight at night. Mm-hmm. He's all about light. He totally. wakes up in the morning. He looks. He does a whole eye light thing. There's a guy, Doctor Jack Kraus. You could. Mm-hmm. This is the whole thing. Yeah. Light, light, yeah. light, light, light. Yeah. Um. So that's fascinating. And wow. it's funny you say that too because yeah. like blue blockers are a great yeah. remedy. Yeah, he has but, a, he has glasses. But too. what they're saying now is that your skin has basically photoreceptors that also control your circadian rhythm. Wow, so like of course. it's not just your eyes. Right. Eyes are a big um I would say a big indicator, but it's it's the whole body now they're saying is 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 a receptor. It's so confusing. To, yeah. I just yeah. went to a panel on skin cancer and sun, and then the woman who was moderating it actually said, "But what about the whole thing now with the vitamin D and sunscreen as being anti the anti sunscreen yeah. like the anti vaxxers And it was yeah. just like so intense. And what is your sunscreen <sighs> philosophy? I don't know. I mean, you know, I was it was Doctor Moy. He's a well known cancer doctor, um, and it was a few other dermatologists. You know, the bottom line is stay out of the sun between 12 and 3. Mm. You know, don't lie out in the sun. I've been going and I I'm, love the sun. You have beautiful I, skin. Oh, thank you. <laughs> well, it's, 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 it's you know, I, I grew up in the 70s. I like m- m- a sign of wealth to my parents was being tan. So, um, of course, that's what they wanted in that time. So they would throw us in the sun till we were burned with like three. To, I would like, we'd go to like Puerto Rico and have like blisters on my face. Yeah. And they're like, hey, you got a good burn. <laughs> like, you got a great burn there. Yeah. And I mean, so I have so much sun damage. Yeah. Nevertheless, the past couple of years, like I joined this pool. It's really lovely. And I'm like, I'm going to sit in the sun. I hadn't sat in the sun in ages. I cover my face, but it just feels right. And I'm mm. like, this feels fucking amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm loving it. And I'm putting on a little bit of sunblock so I don't burn. But mm. I'm allowing myself to get some sun. And I used yeah. to be vigilant. I mean, I was like the woman with the hat. I would, like might have, I was covered. And now I'm just like, I walked here. I don't wear a hat anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm just chilling. Yeah. And I just have like foundation on, a foundation sunblock. But I don't know. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, I mean, and it's all about the, the cost-benefit analysis of, you know, you have a lot of, Moisturizers, for instance, right. that have sunscreen, but we're not really getting much direct sun exposure right. throughout the day, especially between the time we put that mm-hmm. on yeah, and get sun. in the sun. It's right, like thing. it's already it's already um, inactive by lunchtime. If you put it on at seven a.m., it's inactive. You so it you've on. just put you your skin has just metabolized this heavy chemical heavy, heavy chemical product for no reason and no one's talking about well what are the what are the effects of these chemicals right. on your skin because it's the medical establishment that's saying oh um you know uh, the sun causes skin cancer and then you have someone else that that's saying oh well these ingredients are, are approved for use topically but no one's looking at well what's the difference between the top the, the effects of this topical chemical versus the sun right 
right? You know, because it's, it's different thing. parties looking at different things, and then you know you have the press that are throwing stories out there that people are listening to, whether they should or, or should not. It's still kind of just like a crapshoot mm-hmm. of data, and people form an opinion that's not necessarily based on reality. So, totally. You know, my my whole sun care philosophy, similar to yours, is like I love the sun. I know that there's. We know that there were supposed, you know, we didn't, bake with, right. we weren't, as hunter gatherers, we weren't like, oh, we can't, we're not going to go in the sun, to, you know, till, you know, like you were out all day trying to catch food, right. trying to, tra- you know, forage for food, whatever. You weren't sitting under a canopy and just kind of like, waiting. Not, yeah. So, yeah. so I believe you are supposed to get a certain amount of sunlight, obviously, because of the way we live. Now you can't just jump into like oh like I'm not going to wear sunblock anymore or at least I'm not going to guard myself from the sun. Right. We always say physical block is the best. If you right. if you, and and you should get yeah, at like least fifteen. Sleeves. Yeah. Yeah, and you should get at least you know fifteen minutes of direct sun exposure right. per day because that's not enough to right. to cause skin damage. Um, but there's also the hormetic effect of of the sun, which is ever you know what horm- you know what hormesis is. Mm-hmm. You know what uh. Uh, it sounded so good. I was like, yeah, the fucking <laughs> what? Yeah, I was like nodding my head, like basically, pretend I know what I'm talking about. Basically, like you know what a homeopathic yes, is. that's okay. Homeosis. Oh, okay, got it. So there, it's like again, there's not enough data to say one way or the right. other a hard and fast rule. A lot of it comes down to your experience over time right. and being in touch with how you feel after right. certain activities. You know, we don't even stop to digest might as well think about how the sun is making us feel so there is some sort of uh, missing link when it comes to the self-check-in process that everybody should be using when they when they adopt any you know any intervention like cannabis sleeping Uh, like how do they feel when they wake up how are they feeling when they fall asleep are they getting better sleep are there any negative side effects Mm -hmm. luckily with cannabis you know there are very few if any they're imagined Right and, so, and and because of the I would call the not the the the, the sh- not the shelf life but the metabolic like you know with cannabis everything it depends on how you administer it mm-hmm. the edibles how long it's in your system versus the vapor versus the tincture let's touch on that quickly and then sure. I'll let you go because sure. I feel like I always like to do an hour <laughs> but I could we'll have to do like ten more totally talk about the difference between those things yeah the routes of administration is a big one because. Most people decide on their cannabis called therapy um, by form factor first, mm. not think about bioavailability. So um, if you are to put a product on your skin mm-hmm. from a systemic standpoint, like bloodstream, mm-hmm. you're not going to get very much of any absorption unless it's in a transdermal patch um, mm-hmm. format. But for the most part, like our serum, you're not going to get CBD um, absorption. Right. You will, though, have an impact on uh, the endocannabinoid system on your skin. So you have endocannabinoid receptors called CB2 receptors on, on the, all, all throughout your skin. Right. Because your skin is an immune organ, and mm. CB2 receptors are responsible for balancing your immune response. Mm. Immune response for the skin, the two biggest things are oil production, so keeping big, bad things out, good things in, as well as inflammation. So acute inflammation. So if something, an invader is trying to get in, swells, kills, done. So the problem with modern life is that we're kind of chronically inflamed Mm -hmm. because we don't get enough rest. We're constantly taxing our system with poor diets, um, a a sort of like um, we don't get much activity. 
we're bombarded by pollution. pollution. There's a whole there's a whole laundry list of reasons why right. we're chronically inflamed. Mm-hmm. Um, I always kind of say diet and sedentary behavior. That's like the most. Um, but those cause cause inflammation. So we have this overactive immune response that we have to now try to keep in control, which mm-hmm. cannabis will help. So sorry, I got off topic. The second route of administration is is oral. So taking like a pill or any anything where you're just swallowing it. Oh. Those have the lowest. Oh, bio. like an edible. So any yeah. Right. Like so if you where just you're eating eat and it, digesting, a, yeah, it's going a pill through. within the CBD world, it's generally a pill. Like because oh, like right, there aren't right, right, like CBD. brownies or right. bears that right. are there aren't as many because it's right. not as it's more of a therapeutic bend to CBD. So mm-hmm. most people mm-hmm. prefer say a pill. Right. So the problem with a pill is that your the absorption is low because. Um, Cannabinoids don't serve. Most cannabinoids don't survive uh, the secondary, uh, what's called secondary metabolism, which is the metabolism by the liver, and so it's just being, you know, used as as energy like any other lipid. Mm-hmm. Cannabinoids are lipids, so they're just processed like a fat. Right. So you it have between, oil, right. but depending on what is in what your what you took it with, as well as your genetics, would dictate what your bioavailability is. But it's between five and fifteen percent on average, which mm-hmm. is pretty low. Um, the second, mo- this, the the next the next route of administration would be a sublingual mm-hmm. or buccal administration, which is basically your tincture. Your yeah, sleep so tincture. it's either under the tongue or I always direct people to swish it around their mouth because mm, it goes into the mm-hmm. yeah because you have capillaries everywhere that can absorb cannabinoids, and so also like we say between ninety seconds and three minutes, you should keep it in your mouth. And wow. most people have a have a tough time keeping it under their tongue for that long. But if you're just swishing it around your mouth, um, you're gonna get it's like an oil pull. Exactly. Exactly. So it's we have a, a good deal of MCT, which is fractionated coconut oil. Oh, which so you is, could put it in there and then do an oil pull and then just swallow. You can the do whole an thing. oil pull in and of like with that. I mean, it won't be as aggressive and it will be nightly, so it will be actually better than doing say weekly or monthly right, oil, right, right. big oil pulls for twenty right. minutes. If you do a three day, I find my oral hygiene to be. Right. You can come smell my breath after. I'm sure it's great. Or smell this microphone. Mm-hmm. It smells delicious. No, I love doing a co- coconut oil yeah. pull. I, yeah. do f- I, I gagged the first time I did it, and now I'm like addicted to it. Yeah. I'm like, guys, I'm not going to talk for a while. I'm doing an oil pull. Yeah. Now it's like my excuse to yeah. not have to talk to my kids. Sorry, yeah. guys. Um, yeah, <laughs> okay, route, so do that. That route is about 35% uh, okay. absorption. Um, and then the top absorption is actually um, uh, smoking or vaping. And so, what's what? How is that? Like, what's the difference between a, a, a like a, a the flower and the vapor in terms of? Is there a difference? So hard to say. Very hard to say. Um, I would, I would guess that absorption through the flower would be higher because mm-hmm. you do generally have a much higher terpene content in the flower than right. you do in say the average oil pen. Um, it hasn't been processed in that sense. And correct. It's like happened it's, to it. But we, I don't know that, so I don't want to weigh in. Right. But that would be my guess because uh, a natural product is generally more bioavailable than an artificial product. Right. Artificial being something that's not fully natural. Like artificial is not necessarily just synthesized in a lab. Artificial could be something natural that, but that's been stripped. Right. Right. So, but that's the best route of administration from a bioavailability perspective that right. being said if you just increase the dose you can still achieve the same results right through any route it's just that cbd is very expensive so it's not you know that on the cheap Lord. end you know you're looking at about 20 grand a kilo for cbd oil 
Okay. That's for the supplier. That's for the vet. That's the brand is buying right. it at that price. Right. So, you know, you can go lower, but that starts to get into sketchy product and like mm-hmm. highly commoditized bullshit. So, but yeah, you're talking about between 20 and 30 grand for like high grade CBD right. oil and CBD oil being a, a, a name for hemp extract. Right. So it's not cheap. Right. So to, to like, you know, Right now, it makes sense to go after those form factors mm. that are more bioavailable, and you know, uh, taking a high dose, taking you know a hundred to two hundred milligram dose orally, can cause you know some some stomach issues if you're That's a lot. You know, if yeah. you're not if, especially if you're not um, used to eating fat right like right. if you're a good fat metabolizer if you if you eat right. metabolically. Well, I should say if you eat a slightly ketogenic diet or a high fat diet, you're gonna be able to process that okay. But someone who's like low fat that takes Yeah, you'll you know, go into the bathroom. Exactly. Like when you take copilic acid, they exactly. always say start slow and now I'm like completely adapted. But exactly. I remember when I first started taking a few years ago. Oh my god, Derek, what the <laughs> heck? Okay. That's a good wide wide ranging conversation. Oh my god. I just we now. we have to do no- okay. We can find you at Sephora. Sorry, sorry, Sephora. That is, we um, love you. We love you. No, I mean, I just saying because we really it's do so, love that. But they, we missed a big part of the so story badass. because Sephora it's was so like great. was very integral in the development of the brand. They continue to be. It's so incredible. It's like a dream were, come true. Yeah, but they were they were like the first to um, sort of like um, get a hold of the category from a retail perspective. But, so smart. But they've been very patient in their launch strategy. Actually, we, they just. Are, I can't spoil this. Okay, price, but, is but basically in the stores now. Is it on the shelves so yet? It's on, it's to only online right now. Okay, because um, I have a Sephora at the Grove, and I go in there all the time. They do sell hemp seed oil products, which we didn't get into that. Right. Everybody, though, all listeners, you should look to see if it's a hemp seed oil product versus is a true uh, hemp product, and a true hemp product would be something that has a claimed CBD amount. Okay. So if you go into a store and it looks like it has cannabis in it. Always look to see if there is a CBD call. We just out. want to buy your brand. We're not looking at any yeah. other brands. We're but if you gonna... like, but it, I, I am a proponent of any cannabis. But you know brand. what I'm saying. I, I, totally. well, as you know, I get everything, and I'm like, I, <laughs> you, know, I've gone gaga. So, um, okay, so Sephora online. Yeah. What's happening Barney's, at Barney's? So yeah, so Barney's is, um, uh, they have latched on to the category from a total cultural perspective, mm-hmm. and are running with this concept called the high end Mm -hmm. which is taking place in five of their stores plus online and so they are really looking at cannabis from you know from their lens which is much more like the fashion and the tastemaker and all that so they have like they have the craziest stuff in there from like you know expensive bongs you know it's all very like very very it's hip and elegant. chic. It's very like it's New York best. Times Sunday Magazine exactly. style section. Exactly. So right. they're they're going after it from a different angle than Sephora. Sephora is really looking at um, the efficacy of the ingredient. Mm-hmm. That's great. You know, and they've really focused on only allowing, uh, only selecting, actually even allowing, uh, selecting brands that are utilizing full spectrum extracts. That's great. And that have... Integrity. Exactly. High exactly. level. So, so Cindy, if you're listening. Hi, Cindy. I love you. I love you too. Is that weird? No, it's that beautiful. So sweet. We love Cindy. Cindy's the best. Cindy's and amazing. Emily and Gabby and the yeah, whole, team, the whole team. The whole team. So yeah. I don't know any of them. Thank you guys. Um, okay, so <laughs> so that's cool. I haven't checked out the High Line or the High Vibe or whatever the heck it is at Barney's, but it's there. It's I in like High Line. High Line. Um, it's it's there. It's there. It's selling. 
it's you know and the Barney staff has been it's been really interesting. I'm sure, they're psyched. It's yeah, great. well, it's interesting. Plus, because they all get a discount. Totally. Well, they <laughs> so, all get the they all they all direct message me asking for vapes. Of um, but yeah, it's interesting when you go to like New York, right? Because we have we're in th- the, th- the high end is in three stores in New York and. They don't have access to because in New York, oh, cannabis yeah. is like you know it's like heroin. I it's can't like, believe it. Yeah, so it's like I you know when when we go and visit, we bring them our, our yeah. product. But in addition, we we have we we do sell vapes, but we do right. it kind of like uh, so uh, on, at your website. So you can also website. go right. Yeah, for now because of the payment processing issues of selling what's called smokable CBD, mm-hmm. and we it's a little risky. So we don't really promote it, but we do. We do offer it because people do like that mm-hmm. route of administration. And so we'll launch those in, in probably a month or two in, I can't say where yet, okay. but in dis- so we're going into dispensary. We're going to update. We're going to update everyone. Yeah, update. Big update. And we'll do some big we'll updates. Do, and we'll do, some, we'll, do some, we'll do some gifting or something. Oh, yeah. We'll do some right. gifting. Yeah. We'll do a little something, something. something. Okay, y'all. It's Emily and I am back. And thank you so, so, so much for listening as you can see, I edited this podcast by myself. I think I even cut Derek off at the end in the middle of our conversation, but hey, no worries. I'm on my own now, the way I've always been. So thank you for listening. Um, Derek and I talked about giving a little promo, a little percentage off. So please check that out in the notes below. And other than that, we will see you next time. Peace.